Hey, it's Dan here. I've got an invitation for you. Come see me. I'll buy you lunch. I'm serious. No tricks, no gimmicks. Come see me. I'll buy you lunch. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we got a variety of things to cover today, some exciting things to share with you. Uh, This is a great time to be planning out what you want the rest of the year to look like. So we're going to be talking about some opportunities and great questions as always. This is where we gather every week to unpack real life questions. People like you and me, people who are just dealing with the realities, the change, the volatility, the relentless changes that we're seeing right now. Hey, those things bring opportunities as well. Here's some of the questions we're going to be looking at. Dan, did you ever meet Ogmandino? Do you know anyone who actually met him? So he says, I'm making 400000 a year now, but I want to be an artist. And one that shows up repeatedly, as you know, how do you get a reluctant spouse to support your efforts in a side business or calling if they have a different vision of security and work than you do? My question to you is how can entrepreneurs like you and I take precautions and action now so we can thrive in an ever-changing economy? And then this one, we're going to end with this one. I believe parents are doing their children a disservice in the 21st century, giving babies unique names instead of Dan, Sue, or Tom. Well, we're going to talk about a boy named Sue. You might remember that. We're going to end with that today. Have some fun with that. Now, I'm going to give you a quotation a little bit later because I'm going to couch it in a question that I got, but it's going to be a quotation from Ogmandino. Our resource for today is Food for Thought. Now, this is what I alluded to in my invitation to have you come eat lunch with me. Food for Thought, if you go to 48days.com slash food for thought, just like it sounds. And I'll tell you in a minute what that is all about. Now, got a note from Steve who says, Dan, I picked up your book, 48 Days to the Work You Love, at a bookstore in Kansas, Kansas City, to read on the flight to Nashville this morning, March 2nd. I didn't know your name, but the book grabbed me. The more I read, the more excited I get. Then as I'm sitting in the Hampton Inn in Brentwood, after driving through Franklin, I see on page 212 that you reside in Franklin, Tennessee. Is there any chance I could meet you while I'm in town March 2nd through March 5th? Well, that's a few days ago, as you know, depending on when you're listening to this. We're a little past that now. But here's the deal. I get a lot of notes like that. Now, for one thing, I don't actually live in Franklin, Tennessee anymore. Nashville was such a a cool place because it's a very common place for meetings, conventions. It's easy to get to with flights. People have a lot of other business connections there, easy to get hotels and all that. So when we live there, I get a lot of requests for lunches. We really thought, Joanne and I thought that moving to kind of a isolated area in Florida, that that would stop. I mean, who's going to be all the way down here just kind of randomly driving through? Well, we discovered that is not the case. We have a steady stream of people who say, hey, I'm going to be in Fort Myers, Naples, Tampa, St. Pete. You know, can we stop in? Well, it really has surprised us. But I'm going to formalize that a little bit by doing something that I've never done before. And that's what I 
mentioned a little bit ago, we're calling it Food for Thought with Dan. Food for Thought. So if you go again to 48days.com slash food for thought, you'll see the details. But here's what we're going to do. I know that I learn from being around people. Now, we are not doing the events. We used to do events at the sanctuary in Franklin, Tennessee. A lot of you have been there. So we did things like write to the bank, innovate, coaching with excellence, had a lot of fun doing events there. Well, we don't live there anymore, don't own that property anymore. And so things are a little different. And I miss those times of having people come together. We know having live events has changed in the last couple of years. So a lot of us are not doing the bigger events, but I'm going to do some small ones. And this is what it's going to look like. So come see me here in Osprey, Florida, and we'll go to lunch together. Now you have to apply. I mean, I plan to learn from your ideas. So I plan to benefit from this as well as hopefully you will by coming together. I mean, I believe in these things. We're going to limit these to 12 people, no more than 12. I'll take care of lunch because I do expect to learn from our engagement together. So if you, I've got five of these laid out for the next five months, April 15th, May 27th, June 17th, July 15th, and August 25th. The one in April is going to be right here in Osprey. We're just on the south side of Sarasota, Florida. So it'll be right here. The next one, May 27th, is going to be in Orlando because I'll be attending PodFest that week. And then June 17th, June, July 15th, back here at the Oaks Club. Go to our beautiful clubhouse here for lunch in Osprey. And then August 25th, we'll be at a restaurant. We'll announce that later in Dallas because I'll be attending Podcast Movement there that week. So it's just an idea. I mean, everything I do is an experiment. You know, you, you hear me talk about that a lot. You know, there are very few things where I try to anticipate totally what the outcome is going to be. I just try things. So this is something I'm going to try, have a lot of fun. Now, I know, you know, what you're probably thinking here, you know, what's the catch? There's a lot of influencers out there who promote, you know, come see me, I'll buy you lunch. And then they promote their $10,000 conference or for only, you know, $25,000, you can come to Fiji and, you know, eat lunch with me. This is nothing. There, there's no cost. There's no catch. I'm not going to be selling anything. It's just time together. And it's just an experiment for me. Again, limited. Now, you have to, in the application, make it appealing for me to want to have you included in these small groups. So I'll be screening those. And frankly, I'm going to look for people who have something that interests me that I would want to spend time together. So go to the application. Again, if you just go to 48days.com slash food for thought, you'll see a simple application there. Again, no, no tricks, no sh chicanery going on here. Nothing, just a, just a new thing that I'm trying. All right. I got a note from Carson. It says, Dan, did you ever read Odd Magdino's work? Have you ever met him or know of anyone who did? I love his trilogy of works, of books that spanned you know, multiple years. Well, interesting you mentioned that because I just recently purchased that trilogy of books. Now, these are books that I have had in the past. The Greatest Salesman in the World, The Greatest Salesman in the World Part 2, The Greatest Miracle in the World. So I certainly I had those in my library that were valued parts. But when we moved from Tennessee to Florida, I knew that I would not be able to have the quantity of books that I was used to having. So I donated about 3,000 of my books to one of my friends, Dr. Chris McCluskey, 
who has a place in Missouri where he and his kids have purchased some downtown property, including an old church that was not used as a church any longer. They've changed it into Ink You Better, I-N-C-Y-O-U-B-E-T-T-E-R, a play on the word incubator, obviously, but it's for young entrepreneurs. So I donated about 3,000 books to that, and it is now the Dan Miller Library. And I donated long decorative things we had on the shelves and all that. So I gave away a whole lot of books, kept about 100 books that I brought down here. But I'm finding that there's a whole lot of books that I gave away that I think about it and I think, oh, I wish I had that again. So I just reordered just in the last month these books by Ogmandino and went through those again. I'm going to give you some of the things out of here and actually our quotation for today. But yeah, I did have the pleasure of meeting Og. Mandino. Now he died back in 1996. I met him probably a couple years prior to that. Uh, he didn't seem like an old man, but uh, apparently his health did decline at some point. But it was back when I had the Eagles mastermind with uh, Dave Ramsey, uh, Jeff Mosley, Ron Doyle, and some other guys. And uh, we invited Og in. He very graciously came and spent the morning with us. We hung out, talked together, but I love his books. I mean, his books have sold over 50 million copies, been translated into over 25 languages. And here's how I go through a book like that. I, I, re, I reread a lot of books. There are a lot of books that I go through multiple times because, you know, I'm in a different place. I see things differently, just as you will in your life as well. I mean, if you read one chapter of Proverbs, every day for every month, you're going to go through it, you know, once, once a month. And it's surprising what you'll see in there that kind of jumps out at you that you didn't really recognize before because you're in a different place. So you can reread good books and have the message affect you in different ways. So some of the things that I marked in this reading, and I would encourage you to get these three little books. I mean, they're like $7.50 a piece. You can get the whole package for about 20 bucks. But, um, and you can go through them. I mean, they're little books. You can go through one in an hour and a half or so. But I go through and mark it up. So here's some of the things that I marked up in my latest reading just a week or so ago of The Greatest Salesman in the World. True wealth is of the heart, not of the purse. Failure will never overtake me if my determination to succeed is strong enough. If I have no other qualities, I can succeed with love alone. Without it, I will fail, though I possess all the knowledge and skills of the world. I will avoid with fury the killers of time. Procrastination, I will destroy with action. Doubt, I will bury under faith. Fear, I will dismember with confidence. Now, I mark things like that. I tag those so I can go back a year from now and see easily my tags and see the things that jumped out to me when I read in a previous reading. Here's our quotation for today. Now, Sheila will make this up into a beautiful graphic, I'm sure, that'll be on the page, the podcast page. But this is kind of a series, but it's from Ogmandino's The Greatest Salesman in the World. If I feel depressed, I will sing. If I feel sad, I will laugh. If I feel ill, I will double my labor. If I feel fear, I will plunge ahead. If I feel inferior, I will wear new garments. If I feel uncertain, I will raise my voice. If I feel poverty, I will think of wealth to come. If I feel incompetent, I will remember past success. If I feel insignificant, I will remember my goals. Today, I will be master of my emotions. 
I love things like that. I mean, those are the things that have inspired me that I go back to again and again and again. Carson, thanks for your question. It was timely and reminded me of the the very precious time when I did have a chance to spend a morning with Ogmandino. Gage says, Dan, I've been listening to your podcast for about a year now, and I found much insight and inspiration to every episode. I occasionally pick up extra work by driving people to the airport and find it freeing to listen to your guidance. I arrive at home with motivation and a desire to better myself and others. I wanted to let you know of a funny experience I had while listening to your podcast. While listening to an episode of yours, you mentioned how you raised your children to run with their hobbies and build profitable businesses by doing what they enjoyed, like bike repair, automotive, window tinting. You mentioned that your son had a podcast along with the son of Zig Ziglar, Tom. To my surprise, I didn't know that I had been listening to both you and your son separately for over a year without knowing your relationship. I appreciate every episode. Thank you for being a positive example of fatherhood so that many can listen and apply what you say. And he he puts in, in a parentheses, don't tell your son that I listen to your podcast more than his, but it's always so hard to choose. Thanks for everything, Gage. Well, thanks for your note, Gage. It's delightful. I'm uh, always thrilled to hear about people that listen to my kids' podcast as well. Kevin, of course, doing the Ziegler Show as a massive audience. Incidentally, Kevin will be attending PodFest with me in Orlando. Kevin lives out in Colorado, up in the mountains, Woodland Park, but he'll be with me at PodFest in Orlando. So that food for thought, he will be attending with me. So you get two for one. If you want to meet Kevin as well, he'll be there for that one as well. This comes from Terry. Um, update, career question. Uh, you mentioned me in a podcast a year or two ago. I told you that I was working in a $400,000 plus sales job in Colorado for a narcissistic, spawn of Satan, alcoholic, verbally abusive boss that created a toxic work environment for all of us. I prayed about it, worked in my 15-hour-a-week side hustle, listened to your awesome and inspiring podcast, made a business plan, and after 10 years of abuse, I finally quit in October of 2021. So I'm part of the Great Resignation. And I attribute much of my ability to overcome the fear of leaving to you. I'm a 51-year-old artist, a plein air landscape painter, and YouTube teacher. And my plan is to monetize the business through a multifaceted approach, digital courses, eBooks, painting sales, affiliate links, etc. This is all happening on a very small scale. And I've worked hard to build my tribe and social media. I have three real estate rentals, and that cash flow, in addition to my savings, is really what is allowing me to start this business. That's the update. Now to the big question. In regard to your recent comments on shooting for the moon and dreaming big, if Dan Miller were in my shoes as an artist with some runway money and almost meeting my bills, I'm only short $2,000 a month, can you brainstorm some big dreams and income generators as you so effectively do on your show. What does it look like in terms of income ideas to dream big in my position? I want to do something that no other artist has done since Bob Ross. I think I want to create the biggest and best educational media company. My heart is to help others pursue meaningful, profitable work as artists and painters. I also want to interview 25 successful painting artists, make an ebook like John Lee Demus did for artists like me who need a career change. Uh, the first ebook will be about how I change careers. Thanks for all you do to change people's lives. You're a blessing to me and my, my kids. Anyway, Terry. All right. Thanks Terry for your, for your note. Wow. I love how you stepped out of a high paying job 
and are following your passion and committed to make it rock. And I, I, I'm totally confident you can do that. I mean, I love artists who decide they're really going to move into that, to ignore the old cliches, you know, starving artist, artists never going to make it. You got to, what, I know you're an artist, but you know, what's your real job when you hear that? Or gee, you know, I know you have that as a hobby, but what do you do to make income? Well, no, show them, lead the way, man, make it rock, Terry. I love it. Now there is a, a site that's uh, masterworks.io, masterworks.io. Incidentally, the .io extension is becoming pretty hot. I just recently purchased some of those for 48 Days and other organizations that I have where I got the .io extension. It's really kind of a, a classy, high-tech dom- domain you know, extension, .io. So anyway, just for whatever it's worth, you can check it out. But it's easy to get them right now, whereas a lot of .coms are taken. .io is a pretty respected extension. Masterworks is where you invest in art. Now, you don't just buy a Van Gogh, but you may invest you know, $2,500 to be part owner of a Van Gogh. So when that goes up in value, you then get the appreciation, whatever that happens to be. I'm actually in talks with them about potentially having them sponsor the podcast here because I love what they're doing. So we're talking about it right now, but check it out. Masterworks IO. I mean, that's a way, you know, I have in front of me right here in my office, a painting. I often mention um, artist name is Ron Baldwin. I mean, it's his pieces are typically between 10 and $15,000. It takes him because they're very bold, bright colors, they're music themed always, and they're very uh, kind of abstract. It takes me about three to four hours to create. Uh, he has an agent and then sells through galleries, high-end furniture stores, and gets 50% of what they sell for. I mean, that's a way when you do the math on that, if he creates, you know, eight or 10 pieces a month there and he's getting 50% and they're selling for $10,000. I mean, that's a significant form of income and he's doing that. Ron's not somebody who's going to go out, stand on a street corner, knock on doors or pick up the phone and call. He's not that kind of personality. So he has an agent who does that. Yes, that takes 50%. That's okay because 50% of 10,000 is a whole lot better than a hundred percent of nothing. So, you know, just recently we had a car show here in the club where we live here in Florida. It's a beautiful, beautiful car show, 130 cars there. And one of them was a 1934 Packard. Now I talked to the lady who owned it, a widow. Her husband had multiple classic cars, his hobby, but she was ready to kind of get rid of some of these. And so she had consigned it to the Sotheby's auction that was held on Amelia Island uh, just two weeks ago. The car actually sold on March 4th. That car, a 1934 Packard, sold for $4,130,000. I mentioned that because I love the upside of things that are one of a kind. And art is like that. I mean, art is like that. Exotic cars, you know, which I follow some, hit a bottom cash value where they no longer depreciate, but start to appreciate. Art has the same potential where if the artist is no longer around, as an example, or becomes well-known, that art, instead of depreciating, is going to appreciate. And knowing what what art is likely to do that is a real skill. So, Terry, you could add that in. Now, what, what you're describing and what you're already doing is certainly you know, my model of creating a Venn diagram, where you have maybe six or seven different forms of creating income. That way you're not dependent on any single one 
being wildly successful. The combination of those means that if you can create $100,000 as an average from each, well, then all of a sudden you'll actually increase where you were previously in income. You can take that 400000 and go to six or 700000 And I do believe you can do that with art. And you're on the right track. Love what you're doing. Keep me posted on how that progresses. Well, hey, just a quick insert here to remind you, these are real-life questions coming from people like you. I'd love to hear your question, your success story, or the challenge that you're confronted with, where you want some new insight. We'll brainstorm together. Just go to 48days.com slash askdan, and you can submit your question there. Again, that's 48days.com slash askdan. Well, here's one. Dan, I just started a new job four months ago that I personally committed to for a year. This one is a big issue, and I know you've discussed it many times. How do you get a reluctant spouse to support efforts in a side business or calling if they have a different vision of security and work than you do? I love my wife more than I can say. In the past few months, while steadily listening to podcasts of yours and others, such as John Lee Dumas. You know, it's the second time John Lee Dumas has been mentioned in these questions here. I've been talking with John Lee just this week. And the reason is because uh, John and Kate live in Puerto Rico. And Puerto Rico being a territory of the United States, there's not a lot of restrictions like there is for coming and going with other countries. Joanne and I are eager to, to be out and about we're eager to be cruising again. The restrictions are still pretty strict for cruising, but going to Puerto Rico, really, there's no test required to get there or to come back, anything. And so we're looking at maybe popping down there. So I was talking to John about Puerto Rico, you know, the fact that he lives there, what's happening and all that. And anyway, the, delightful to see you all and your questions, familiar with who he is and what he's doing. So um, Continuing here, while listening to podcasts of yours and others such as JLD and reading books, my mind has completely changed on attitudes about work, retirement, job security. Now, again, this has to do with spousal support. Now I feel that I must move toward my goals, interests, and passions and create our future instead of relying on the goodwill and choices of my employer. I certainly am not going to quit my job, but I feel my wife is so much more comfortable with me earning an average income in a company, even if we're barely making it because she feels it's so much more secure to add to the confusion two of my friends gave me a completely opposing advice. One friend who's a programmer for a company suggested that I should discuss my thoughts and feelings with my wife in detail and then slowly lay out my dreams, goals, and get her agreement before moving into any efforts, even if there's little or no risk. The downside to this is that she seems to get really nervous that I'm not going to stay in my job if I bring it up. The other friend, who's a successful and headstrong entrepreneur, suggested that the best move was to make small efforts that wouldn't rock the boat too much to get some cash coming in before a big discussion on career change. His opinion was that once money was clearly linked to the efforts, then it is easier to win anyone over. I see merit in both options. Obviously, I don't wish to deceive my wife, but perhaps it would be better to not disclose the extent of my dreams until they can turn some profits and make it appear more of a hobby first, although this doesn't feel entirely good either. I wasn't sure if this fit into the compassionate honesty category, the selfish justification category. All thoughts and ideas of yours, I'm sure would be enormously helpful. Your lighthouse in the storm, sincerely, Ray. Well, thanks for your 
Thanks for your question, Ray. It is something that comes up again and again and again. Um, I've, I've addressed it a lot. It, it never gets old. Uh, things change. Joanna and I recently did a small event for just four couples here at our house that we titled Love and Learning and Earning, where we address love and how do you maintain romance. And we were addressing, we were working with entrepreneurs. They were entrepreneurs who were here. So people who don't have regular jobs. So all four of them fit in that category. So loving, how do you maintain the romance in your life, even as you age? How do you keep learning? How do you keep growing and developing? You know, as entrepreneurs, we certainly do that. Anybody is going to want to do that. But how do you do that in ways where we don't end up with this garbage that we hear? You know, we grew apart. You know, not the person that I married. Well, grow together. And then earning when it's when it's irregular income, where it's not just a steady paycheck on Friday, but it, it may be a month with nothing and then a month where you, you know, bring in $30,000. So it can be irregular. How do you handle that? So we dealt with that, had a delightful time doing that. Um, I thought we'd do that maybe three or four times a year. It turns out, Joanne's not excited about doing that as I am. To her, it seems like work to have to do a, a little workshop together with people like that. And I said, okay, I'm going to respect your your wishes. I mean, it would have, it seemed like a no-brainer for me to continue doing that. We're not going to do that anymore. So I'll continue just to give tips here as we can. But I would encourage you to have fun in the process of exploring your dreams with your wife. I don't think this should be done behind closed doors or sneak up or, you know, do something that you consider secretive. And you're, you're certainly open about that. You don't feel good about that. Yeah. I mean, have multiple times, have one time a month where you sit down and really discuss what your dreams are. You know, how, how would you handle if you had a business failure? How do you handle financial wins or disappointments? What's the end game for success? How do you guys define success? What does that really look like to you? I mean, ask yourself, I mean, have fun with questions. If, if you could become famous for something you're not currently doing, what would that be? Why do you think you can or can't do this? If you had more money than you could imagine, so you had no financial concerns, how would your lifestyle change? Or would it? What kind of house you want to be living in 10 years from now? I mean, describe it in detail, including the surrounding landscapes. Now, Joanna and I have asked questions like this from day one of our marriage. We all, we have always had fun just having conversations like this. And thus it leads to the, you know, the life we live today. We're living in a house that we dreamed about, in a place that we dreamed about, you know, with resources that we dreamed about. I mean, those are all initially just dreams, but in talking about them, we're able to bring those things together. So I'd encourage you to, you know, I would encourage you to have open discussions with your wife. You've got to be on the same page. What are the books you might want to get? And we used it as a resource for the little workshop that we did is Meg Hirschberg's book for better or for work. Now we're obviously familiar with that phrase from marriage vows for better or for worse. This is for better or for work. It talks about how do you keep the relationship in shape if somebody is following an entrepreneurial path. Now, ultimately, I believe, Ray, that success is the greatest revenge, and not to use that in a negative term, but 
I mean, Joanne would be very content with me having just been an employee somewhere, you know, work for General Motors for 30 years, get a gold watch and retire. She knows, though, I would never be able to do that. It just is not the way that I'm wired. She would be content with the perceived security of a regular paycheck, even if it was a mediocre amount like you're describing. But at this point in our lives, Trust me, she would not want to choose that because she recognizes the benefits of me having taken the entrepreneurial journey in terms of what that provides us in terms of resources and time freedom, opportunities that we have, you know, this season to do what we want to do. So if you do show some success, it can alleviate those fears that your wife has. So yeah, go ahead and create a plan. And maybe experiment where you spend 15 hours a week doing something on the side. Do that for six months. Get her agreement to allow you to do that for six months where you're not risking anything. You know, you're, you're, you're not taken away from the job that you currently have, but you're going to spend 15 hours a week in what you think could become something that would be successful. And then be committed to make that successful. If you're at the end of six months generating 50% of your current income, it's going to get her attention. And all of a sudden she's going to be thinking, well, hey, maybe this, maybe this could work. All right. Hey, thanks for the question. And this one comes from Bob. Dan, you've played a huge role in my wife. Well, this is, this is kind of the counterpart to that. Okay, right, this is cool. Dan, you've played a huge role in my wife and my pursuing meaningful and creative work through multiple streams. You've changed the whole course of our lives into a much more positive direction. I'd like to ask your thoughts for how entrepreneurs can recession-proof their business pursuits. I'd like to stay optimistic and hopeful for the future and realize that our attitude and choices greatly affect our future opportunities. On the other hand, I read about Mark Cuban's comments and concern of the growing economic Concerns coming from the college loan crisis. My question to you is, how can entrepreneurs like you and I take precautions and action now so we can thrive in an ever-changing economy? Thanks for your time and the positive difference you've made in our lives. Well, you know, as entrepreneurs, we welcome change. We welcome things not being the same way they were. We know that in any change, there are new opportunities and we can respond to those immediately. Now, unfortunately, man, I cringe when I think about, you know, gas prices rising as they are right now, because I know who is affected the quickest and the most. You know, people who are already struggling, who need to get back and forth to jobs that are paying them mediocre wages, and all of a sudden they're having a bigger chunk of their pay go to gas unexpectedly, and they don't have any way. That's not going to be reflected in an immediate compensatory increase in their pay. And I realize that. But as entrepreneurs, we aren't affected like that. So if gas prices go up, well, we adjust the prices of things that we're offering immediately. No questions asked. We can do that. We have the flexibility to just change like that. And also, here's the other thing. We have the ability to change what we're doing on, you know, on a dime. We can just change what we're doing. When this came into effect, when this pandemic showed up and we were no longer allowed to do big events, that's when we launched our online community, our online Eagles community, where people pay $48 a month to be part of that. So it was a way for us to continue having people come together, sharing ideas and resources, supporting each other, encouraging each other, cheering them on, not in a physical room, but by being in an online community together. So we offered that 
And the first month we had 375 people that signed up for that. That's a pretty smooth, quick, immediate transition into something that's pretty profitable, a lot of fun, and just was a different way of doing things. We can do that as entrepreneurs. So I encourage you, Bob, to be looking for opportunities in that same manner. When there's a change, don't see it as an obstacle. Just ask yourself that question, what does this make possible? And redirect. Find that new opportunity. It goes back to the old Think and Grow Rich. Napoleon Hill said that with every challenge, every obstacle, every block, there's also the seeds of an equal opportunity. So look for those new opportunities. That certainly has served me well over the years. I mean, I, during the pandemic, I mean, we changed a whole lot of things. We're not doing a whole lot of things that we were doing at the beginning of this thing. But at every month, my income has increased. And the things that we're doing now are things that I enjoy more than the things we were doing previously. And that's, that's the privilege of not being locked into a set kind of work model where you can make those changes, adaptations. Great question. Tom says, Dan, I believe parents are doing their children a disservice in the 21st century, giving babies unique names instead of Dan, Sue, or Tom. First names such as, this is, this is kind of a hot potato here, and I'm not going to have a, a real clear answer. I just wanted to throw it out because I thought it was interesting. I think it's valid. Tom says, first names such as Trayton or Byrne indicate to people hiring that these are very young people who may be inexperienced. Or names like Traverius or Shaniqua infer on their resume or job application that they're of African-American ethnicity. I have a very close friend, Tom says, who named his son Nick. I asked why that name. He quickly smiled and replied, because I want him to be able to get a good job. <laughs> Do you believe a person's name can be an obstacle in getting a job? Absolutely. I think it has a big barrier. I think everything that you say here is absolutely right on accurate. I mean, I see names coming in to our 48 Days Eagles community. I mean, I'll have to admit, I see some names come in and I say to myself, this person's not going to be here. 60 days from now, because they don't acclimate into our culture. Now, I'm, I'm talking about names that you know, indicate pretty clearly that they're from you know, Ethiopia or Nigeria or some country that's not as familiar with the way we do business and all that. I do make some assumptions there, and we can kind of track that and support that. So do I think that a person's name can be an obstacle again? Yeah, absolutely, I do. Now, that being said, I mean, I have a lot of grandkids. And I, well, I've got some pretty uh, normal named grandkids. I've also got grandkids named Taya Jupiter, Zion Soul, Sersha Sky, Nakoda, Canyon, Jadaria, I mean, we've got some some pretty unusual names out there as well. You know, great kids. I'm eager to see how their lives develop and unfold and the paths they choose. But yeah, I do think those names um, do do make a difference. Um, I, I have well, I have one son. My son's name is Jared, and Jared decided um, probably 20 years ago he wondered if we would be offended as mom and dad, as his mom and dad, if. He chose a different last name, Miller being so common. 
Well, we thought it was a wonderful idea because I think Miller's a pretty common name, certainly not distinctive. So he did a lot of research, has a golden Rolodex. He reached out to a lot of friends around the world and finally selected a name that is actually Swahili, and it's Angaza. So my son's last name is Angaza, A-N-G-A-Z-A. The book we wrote together, Wisdom Meets Passion, the co-authors are Dan Miller and Jared Angaza. Yes, he's my biological son, but has a different last name because he changed it. And that name means instrument of light. I mean, what, what dad could be upset with a son choosing a new name that is so intentional where he wanted it to indicate more what he wanted his life to be. Now, that being said, getting back to your question here, um, this is a, I, I don't have easy answers for this, but when, when you ask the question, you know, I started thinking just as I'm, I'm thinking here now, and I think through some names that are pretty notable, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Richard Branson, Michael Dell, Peter Diamandis, Tony Robbins, Dave Ramsey, you think back, you know, Billy Graham. I mean, there's, there's a, yeah, there seems to be, well, I, I, and I don't want to get, go too far in the weeds here. I'm not sure where I'm going with this. You know, there was that song released back in 1969, Johnny Cash, A Boy Named Sue. Remember that song, A Boy Named Sue? Wow. It's about this, this long story about this kid named this boy named Sue and how he had to, you know, fight his way through everything because people made fun of him. And he vowed that if he ever met his dad, he was going to kill him. And finally, you know, met his dad in a bar. They had this horrendous fight. This is all in a song. And, you know, finally the dad says, son, this world is rough. And if a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough. And I knew there wouldn't be I wouldn't be there to help you along. So I gave you that name and I said goodbye. And I knew you'd have to get tough or die. It's that name that helped make you strong. The dad says, now you just fought one heck of a fight. And I know you hate me and you've got the right to kill me now. And I wouldn't blame me if you do, but you ought to thank me before I die for the gravel in your gut and the spit in your eye. Cause I'm the idiot that named you Sue. What could I do? And Johnny Cash says, I got all choked up and threw down my gun. I called him my pa, and he called me son. I came away with a different point of view, and I think about him every now and then, every time I try and every time I win. If I ever have a boy, I'll name him Bill or George or Frank, anything but Sue. <laughs> well, I, again, I'm sorry. I didn't really have a clear point to make there, a recommendation. I do think it a name is important that it has a lot to do with choices that are made how you're viewed and all of that Uh, but again we've got a lot of variation out there i'm sure you all have a lot of different opinions on that feel free to give me your wisdom on this i just shared it without a clear point to make for tom but i think you're i think you're on track i think you got something here that really does you can make a case for trust me well again if you got comments questions success stories you want to share just jump over to 48days.com slash askdan. And again, remember that you want to have lunch with me? I'd love to, to have you come by. I, I, it, it's not open to everybody. You know, we're not going to have 100 people, but I'm going to have 12 at these. So put in your application, make it interesting, make you uh, make yourself appear as somebody that I would want to spend a couple hours with having lunch together. Again, the lunch is on me, no cost, no sales pitch, no anything. It's just an experiment for me. So check it out. Go to 48days.com slash food for thought. 
And as always, hey, thanks for sending in your questions, for listening, for spreading the word, for leaving reviews, all those things I don't mention often, but I certainly appreciate. I just love being connected with you, knowing you are the kind of people who are open to growing, open to being a powerful force for making the world a better place, and who, along with me, believe without a shadow of a doubt that, hey, if the work isn't what we want, we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.